Hello, and welcome to a series of horrors. I'm Jackie from Canada. And I am Jeff from America. Hey, Jackie, how's it going? It's going, it's going. So, what film did we end up watching this week, Jeff? Well, this week, to continue our little series, we went into Saw 3. Yes, we did. We are almost halfway there. How many times have you seen this movie? This one, not that often, and as I was watching it, I not have watched it more often than I have. I have seen it, I want to say, maybe about four-ish times? I always love your answers to this question, because you always undersell it. I haven't really seen it that many times, I don't know. Oh, you know, I've seen it seven times. <laughs> Never ask me how many times I've watched Rocky Three. I spent the whole summer. I was in my uncle's house for a while, and the only thing he had was Rocky Three and Betamax. That's all I could do was watch that. So I did. I must have seen that movie, I don't know, 40-ish times over the summer. Watched oh it every goodness. day. Maybe. Princess Bride, one time I watched it four times in one day. It was, yeah, it was. This movie I've seen a bunch. That is intense. Uh, this is my first full viewing of Saw 3, and I discovered that when I had originally tried to tune into it, as you heard in our previous conversation, while I had the stomach flu, I tuned in at the worst possible part. The movie was already halfway through, I did not realize it, and it, the pig mulch scene. You can't not watch this movie with a stomach virus during that scene at all. No, I could barely watch it today and my stomach was perfectly fine. The scene with all the rings gets me worse than, this, than the pig mulch scene. That is a really terrible scene as well. As I started the movie, I went, was it this movie that I started to watch when I had the stomach flu? Because I'm not recognizing any of the start of this film. And then... All of a sudden, I saw the pigs come out halfway through, and I'm like, nope, this is what it was. This is what it was, and it was bad. <laughs> nope, here they are. Here are the pigs. It's very memorable, that scene. It's not good. It's it's, oh, it's nasty, but it's memorable. They really do mas nasty and memorable well in this series. I don't even want to say this is the goriest it gets, because I really can't remember offhand the re which one could be worse. You know, they all After now, they're really all going to blend together for me. They're all just going to be one long movie at this point, because this is when they start planting the seeds that they return to for the rest of the series. Yeah, based on the ending of this movie i can only assume that at least part of the next movie is going to be happening concurrently to this movie i think the next one does happen at the same time as this movie yeah like it's going on somewhere else at the same time as this movie and the little cliffhanger at the end doesn't get resolved until i know they skip the next movie and they resolve it in the one in the following movie are you kidding me <laughs> no that i remember vividly i'm like because i'm watching that movie and that little thing, they don't come back to it. And I think they do it in either the fifth one or even the sixth one. But I want to say it's the fifth one. I would have been so frustrated if I watched this series in real time. And I would have to wait a year between movies to find out what the end of that cliffhanger was. And I watched the whole next movie and they don't address it. I, I would have been pissed. And as somebody that did watch them in real time, <laughs> you're thinking to yourself, did they just forget to drop? Did they just forget about this? Did they make this not important? Did they just do this? And then a new writer thought it wasn't, it didn't matter really. So they just left it as is. You don't know. Yeah. Lee was gone. So then that plot line left with him. <laughs> That little So if you expect that little cliffhanger to be resolved in part four, it won't be. Well, thank you for the forewarning so that I'm not utterly frustrated later this week when I watch that movie. Oh, this one literally has maybe five things that come back that they just like show in an off scene that you think is just nothing and it comes back in another movie. I am excited to see what those are. Should we just dive straight into this movie? Yeah, this one's good. I like the beginning because it basically just picks up right where the last one left off. Yeah, I did really like that as well. Also, because it's happened in the last two movies, you know I gotta mention it. Font improvement. 
<laughs> even better this time around. You can see that they got by the seventh one. Oh, I'm just expecting like the best font of all time. My graphic design sister will be applauding in the back. <laughs> it might not be that good because remember the last one, Saw Seven, was Saw 3D. Oh no! So I'm sure the fonts. I'm sure 3D in the theater. I hate 3D movies. I could take it or leave it. I don't need it. Works in some. It doesn't work in others. It all depends. If it's subtle, I like it. If it's over the top, I don't. So it all depends how they use it for me. I remember they re-released Titanic as 3D, and my sister and I went to go see it, and it was no different at all. Like, everything looked slightly more rounded, but it wasn't actually 3D in any way. What I do like are the 4D movie theaters. Now, those are cool. I have not experienced that yet because that's where your chair will move and stuff, right? Not only does your chair move, it rains in the movie theater if it's raining. There's smoke in the theater. There's lights. There's smells. It depends on what's going on in the movie. It snowed in the one movie I watched. So you get wet? You, you can. There's a little button on your chair if you don't want to get wet, you press it so you won't get wet, but you can. I watched the last Star Wars movie. I took my cousin to watch it in 4D, and there's a lightsaber fight on the crumbled Death Star and with waves crashing and it's raining. It's like a mist. It's not rain. You're not getting wet, wet. It's more like a mist in the air. Oh, like those like Coke zones that they have at like amusement parks. Exactly. It's more like that. It's not like they have a rain machine in the theater dousing you with rain. It was really cool. It was really cool. Like, um, My fear is that I get horrible motion sickness very easily. <laughs> 3D already, sometimes I will get motion sick just from the 3D. Or if it's found footage film that I'm seeing in a theater, I definitely get sick. Cloverfield was a nightmare for me. <laughs> I like that movie, too. It's a great movie, so I tried to power through, but I had to run out of the theater halfway and go puke in the garbage can. But anyways. And it qualifies for the podcast. There's three of them. There are. We don't have that on our list. We need to add that. Yeah, back to the movie we're actually here to talk about, not the <laughs> other four movies that we decided to talk about. This movie's great. Picks off with Detective Donnie. Still at 11. Still at 11. Absolutely. No other way he can be. He has one note, and boy, does he play that note well. Even the way he gets out of his situation is at 11 it really is so he's in the bathroom the only light that we have is a flashlight he's desperately trying to reach the gun that is just out of reach he takes his shoe off and he's able to knock the gun towards himself only to find out that there are no bullets in the gun i believe is what he figures out yeah he pulls out the clip and it's empty i had struggles in this scene because everything was lit by a flashlight and i'm blind to start with so he notices that the gun is empty then he uses his shoe to knock the flashlight over towards himself starts flashing that light around the room and we get to see that there's a hacksaw he tries to saw through the chains immediately with the hacksaw and notices it's not working decides to use his flashlights more he sees the body of good old beefcakes frankie g on the floor and Dr. Gordon's foot across the room. Realizes what that saw is actually meant for. Starts to amp himself up to saw through his foot. Can't do it. Just can't do it. Don't know if what he did was worse, though. I know, right? He instead uh, pans his flashlight again. This is when we see Adam's corpse across the room, and he also notices the toilet tank lid that was used to kill Zepp. So I'm still wondering, what happened to Zepp's body? We didn't see it in Saw 2. It's not there now. 
they, they not want to pay that actor to come back because he was busy making his money on Lost. Remember, Lost filmed in Hawaii, and this was in Toronto. Maybe he, yeah, maybe he didn't want to leave Hawaii to go to, to go to Toronto. I'm sure they're the same. I'm, I'm sure, I've never been to either. I'm sure they're very comparable. As a person who grew up in Toronto, I can completely understand not wanting to come here. <laughs> like, hmm, do I want to stay in Hawaii where I'm getting paid to just sit here on the beach all day? Or go to Toronto. Decisions, decisions. It's tough. Anybody have a coin to flip? Something? I, I really have, I have nothing here. I don't know. At this point, Could Detective be. Donnie grabs the toilet tank lid and decides to smash his foot brutally, pulverize it, really, in order to squeeze it through the manacle chains. What got me with this wasn't so much that he pounded his foot like a meat tenderizer to turn his bones to butter, but after he does this, the chain still won't... Um, the cuff doesn't come off his foot, so he breaks his ankle. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of great prop effects in this movie that I appreciated a lot, but they also were so incredibly gory and pretty realistic that gore doesn't do it for me. Like, it doesn't. Um, it doesn't bother me. I should say gore doesn't bother me so much, really. But these first two scenes in this movie got me just. Him pounding his foot. Donnie sells it. I have to say, Donnie does a great job. I mean, he's great at being at 11. He picked the most 11 way to get out of a cuff. I don't know, because there is no recovering from that, right? Would they have to cut his foot off anyway at that point? They would have to replace his bones with like titanium or something. Just replace everything because it's pulverized. So would they just cut him off and cut it off and give him like a fake foot at that point? Which is this, he got to the same, he got to the same place, just took the long way, but, and then he dropped. Drags himself out of the bathroom. Yes. Which, if anybody has a will to live, it's Donnie. He's trying to live for his son. That's the thing. He continues to scream Daniel's name as he's trying to escape. So. We gotta remember, he has no idea that his son is safe. We then cut to the tactical team. They are using a blowtorch to cut through a metal door that's been welded shut. As they enter the scene, one of the police officers takes off his mask. It's Rig from Sawtooth. He's back and he says that they gotta call Detective Dizzy. Wait, hold on. One second. His name is Rig? I believe so. I looked it up on the IMDb. <laughs> it's just funny because the first part one had Danny Glover who played Riggs. No, no, who played Murtaugh. And Lethal Weapon, his partner was named Riggs. Oh. Some interesting name things in this movie. For example, one of the main characters' name is Lynn, which is the middle name of the director. But they call Detective Dizzy to the scene. She wants to know immediately if the victim is Detective Donnie. If not, the victim has been ripped apart. Their organs are all over the floor, as well as their various body parts strewn about. Then we get the flashback of this man waking up in this dilapidated room. He's sitting in a chair with chains attached to to rings attached into his skin, one that goes through the bottom of his jaw into his mouth. Oh, that one, oh. It was brutal. That one, and then the ankle ones got me too. Yes, the ankle ones at the Achilles heel. Yeah. That scene in Pet Cemetery where the kid's under the bed and he puts the old man's Achilles heel. I think about it every time I'm shaving my legs and I'm going around my ankles. Like, no, don't cut it, don't cut it. <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're not using a scalpel as your razor. But that's the only thing that people use, right? For shaving your legs that's just normal or is that just a canadian thing what no i never see my legs so i have to go on you might be the expert on this one right? <laughs> between me and you oh, okay uh, so the hooks are attached all over his body, even in his mouth, and TV in the room turns on, as per usual. Our friend Billy the Puppet is on the TV. He's there saying things, 
as Jigsaw would say, you have been given every opportunity in life and still you choose to do bad things and end up in chains in jail. So let's see if you want to break your chains and be free. Because the exact quote from Jigsaw is, despite all the advantages and privileges you were given at birth, you have returned Mm -hmm. to prison again and again. As you mentioned, Jigsaw says to release himself from the chains before a bomb in the room goes off. He's given under two minutes to accomplish ripping these chains out of his skin. The only way to do it is to rip his skin off. In how many chains were there? There were he went through at least six. I feel like because they had the one in his jaw, which I don't know how he would ever been able to remove. The ones in his ankles, his three in his hands, and in up like in his bicep area, and then. In his sides then his sides so we're looking about 10 give or take yeah it's brutal he gets through almost all of them except for the one in his mouth when the bomb finally goes off which is something i have to bring up here a little bit every normally the jigsaw traps get triggered after they wake up you know like they'll he'll move his head and a string will pull on a pin and a timer will start you know something along those lines in the last one it was you open a door the doors has some contraption on it that pulls a pin on something else and and you hear a timer clicking away this had a little digital clock on a bomb in a jar that was ticking while he was sitting there asleep so if he didn't he could have woken up with a minute left he could have woken up with a minute and a half left it was clicking whether or not he was awake and as we very quickly find out because detective busy uh says it there was no way for him to actually escape this trap the door was welded shut so even if he had succeeded in ripping all the chains out the bomb still would have gone off and he would have been stuck in the room here's where all the rest of my comments i can't say because i've seen the rest of the movies in the series just enough to say this is very important and there were a couple knowing glances in the scene that's all i can say (laughs) until until next time great thanks for the cliffhanger jeff It better be answered in the next movie and not in the fifth movie. If anything this series does do, it does give you answers. Can't can't guarantee you like the answers. Can't guarantee there'll be good answers. But I guarantee answers. I also had the question of of this crime scene and actually the one from Saw 2. Why are so many people in the crime scene walking around? That's a huge no-no. Especially in this one because there's body chunks literally strewn around the room because he blew up into pieces. You'll be stepping in blood, leaving your footprints everywhere. You need forensics in there. Is that how things will happen in Canada? This is how things happen according to all my true crime podcasts that I fall asleep to every night. <laughs> I think they mainly are talking about America in those. What happens next? Next, Detective Dizzy shows up. She is paranoid, scared. Not paranoid or scared. She is worried and concerned. <laughs> those are the words I needed. About if it was him. <laughs> if it was Detective Eric Matthews. Corey is very concerned. Topanga's in distress. She is beside herself. I wish I could remember the girl that played his girlfriend, but I don't. Doesn't he marry somebody in the later seasons? Or get engaged or something? There's an episode where he comes back and he's this mountain man. And he tells everyone his name is now Place with Squirrels. Corey and Topanga are mentioning like between each other, snipping at each other about marriage counseling or something. And Eric pulls out this picture and goes, I married a moose. We don't need marriage counseling. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, exactly. Every single time my sister and I see a moose, we send each other a picture of it and just say, I married a moose. I don't need marriage counseling. I need to rewatch this show. I remember watching it when it was on, but I haven't seen it again. It is great. I rewatched it at the beginning of quarantine because I decided to invest in Disney Plus for a whole month while it was free and watch All of Boy Meets World very quickly. If it's on Disney Plus, I might be able to watch it. All right. So anyway, there's only so many times I could rewatch Ted Lasso over and over and over again. It's, it's great. 
But um, I don't know. We're speaking to the man that saw Rocky forty times. So, in my defense, I was seven. Just saying. <laughs> oh, okay, that's fair. My nephews growing up, they would get addicted to the one movie. They had Alaska. That was the one movie that Ethan really loved. And then Bailey was obsessed with Cats Don't Dance, which is a terrible animated movie. I've seen ads for that one. That, isn't that an older movie too? Cats Don't Dance? Yeah, they were both older movies. They were our DVDs from when we were kids. And then my nephews found them in my parents' house and got obsessed with them. I would watch them forever. I think they were VHS, not DVD, actually. Yeah, because I want to say Cats Don't Dance predate me. No. I I, I think, think it came out when I was a kid. I, no, I, I want to say... I mean, am I confusing with the Aristocats? Yo, you, you are correct. 97 for Cats Don't Dance. All right. Um, now, me, it was never-ending story. Never-ending story for you? Never-ending story. So many times. Back to this movie. Yes. Okay, so Detective Dizzy, she's figured out that it's not Eric Matthews, the man who married Moose, that is dead. It's Roy. No, actually, Detective Hoffman tells him that. And they named him after the producer of Saw 1 and 2 that had passed away. Dizzy then heads home. She's hallucinating that Detective Donnie is behind her in the mirror. She's re-watching Troy's tape and reviewing the files on the Jigsaw case. Suddenly, the, ca- the tape cuts away at the end of the recording, and Detective Dizzy can see her self on the tape in her bedroom and it's a current live feed which is very bizarre to me yeah, hooked into her tv and of such a quality that it looked like it was a vhs still i don't know <laughs> but she fires her gun through the door then opens the closet door no one's in there just the camera as she's reaching for the camera a person in a pig mask comes up behind her attacking her i love how they just this whole scene was constructed one because dizzy detective dizzy is very smart uh, hey i know what I, I know what this is i must be getting about to be taken i'm not even gonna ask a question i'm not gonna say anything i'm just gonna shoot into this door yeah i did appreciate that because she seems to be living in some sort of apartment <laughs> so imagine like your neighbors what was that oh i just shot my closet <laughs> she might have killed the neighbor who knows and then she doesn't kind of she opens the door she checks things out she sees herself moving at the same time and then as she goes into the closet it the camera pans to the to the screen and you know you see jigsaw or pig mask you'd say coming in behind her to snatch her up and she wakes up in a bad way in a bad, bad way. She wakes up and she's all chained. She has a neck chain and then she has this device that's hooked into her ribcage. And there's a jar that's hanging by a chain in front of her face. And you hear a clink. Something is thrown into a jar by someone. And that kind of what startles her to wake her up. And she finds herself in the trap. I think she knows where she is. Not where she is. She knows what, she, what she's in right away. Yeah. She's the first victim to truly be completely aware of what has happened to her when she wakes up. The TV turns on. It's Billy the Puppet again, says that she identifies more with corpses that investigates than the living. That's what's brought her here. The device is hooked into her ribcage, and she's given one minute to solve it. The key to the device is inside the jar that's suspended by her head, and the jar is filled with acid. She must act quickly because the key will dissolve in the acid. The amount of time it took for her to wake up, hear the tape, and realize what she has to do, I think the key would have been maybe not evaporated all the way, but maybe be faded away to the point I don't think it would have worked in the lock. Mm, so it must have been thrown in right at the beginning. But either way, she's told that the device will go off in one minute after the tape has ended. Yeah, so she sticks her hand in, pulls it out because it hurts. It's full of acid. But she fights through, she sticks it back in there, pulls the key out, gets the lock off with maybe 15 seconds left, and nothing happens. It doesn't release anything, nothing stops, and the trap is sprung. Um, But first, a faceless woman walks into the room. 
And Detective Dizzy says, you, in recognition. Goes off, and, and this is a very inventive trap. The way it works is, it looks like two cranes suspended overhead with weights and chains connected to her actual ribcage. When the trap is sprung, the cranes move up, pulling her ribcage out through her chest. The gore is unreal in this one. My only note on the gore of this movie, and maybe the franchise, because now maybe it's gorier than I remember. It's gory, but unlike Hostel, it isn't, it's not sensationalized gore. It's like gore with a purpose, I guess, for the characters, not for me, not to gross me out. Um, I think, well, maybe, maybe it's more with the traps coming up. If anything, Jigsaw could be more calm in his speech, but he's also, he's at 11 with what he does to people. Uh, we then cut to an unhappy looking couple that's in bed. The woman says she has to head to the hospital early because uh, they changed her shift at the last minute. The man is asking her to talk to him for just five minutes or even make eye contact with him for five seconds. But nothing. Say, no, I gotta go to work. You want to take a shower? I'll shower, I'll shower in the hospital. No, I'll leave him. Yeah, exactly. As she opens the door to leave, he's calling after her and we find out her name is Lynn. She asks what he wants from her. He replies, a divorce. She just leaves instead of answering him. We cut to uh, the ER. A child's being rushed into the emergency room, and Lynn is being paged on the... Why can't I think of the word for this? The, like, the speaker system. The PA? The public announce? PA! PA! There we go. Oh, that was such a lapse. The nurse runs into the locker room and gets Lynn, pulls her over to the ER. The child's not breathing. Lynn seems visibly distressed upon seeing that it's a child. She then inserts a chest tube, and as she walks away, the nurse pulls her into a bay and kind of tells her off, saying that maybe she should go up to psych if she's having a problem because she's not being as good as she normally would be as a doctor. Even though she saved his life when everybody else in the room was like, no, we, he has to go to surgery somewhere else and we have to do this. There's no way we can do anything here. It confused me at the time. Like, why is everybody mad at her? She's the one that's getting this taken care of. She's like, no, I'm going to do this. I'm going to save him. The one doctor that's there that's denying what to do. All the nurses just looking at each other like something's wrong. And then she gets pulled aside over it, even though the child's life was saved. Yeah, but I guess she wasn't acting as quickly as you should in an emergency room. If she's going to be the attending doctor in the ER, she needs to be on top of shit, I guess. She was very blasé about everything. Mm -hmm. Very cold. We did see her popping some pills earlier as she was leaving the bedroom hotel. I don't know what that was. But anyways, she then is popping pills again in the locker room. Locked inside of it, she starts walking through the locker room, calling out to see if anyone's there. She pulls out her cell phone, but before she can call anyone, she's attacked by Pigface. And she wakes up, straps with you wheelchair in the middle of a of another warehouse. I just call it the little shop of horrors. <laughs> little shop of horrors. No Audrey too here, but still, uh, <laughs> she is there. She doesn't know where she is or what she's doing. She I think that's when this is when Amanda comes out. Yeah. So first, it's a rogue figure, and it's all like in a hidden figure. So you're supposed to think. It's Jigsaw, except that they're way shorter than Jigsaw was in the first two movies. <laughs> so immediately I knew it wasn't Jigsaw, and then she takes off the hood to reveal that it's Amanda. She threatens Lynn with a knife and then wheels her over to Jigsaw, who's on a gurney in a makeshift hospital room. This is what I was going to ask you about now because in the last movie, I told you, wait till you see the hospital he gets in the next one. So what do you think? It's a nice little smart hospital room, nice little bed, have all these machines, medicine, equipment. So, yeah, it's answered my question of, you know, does he have a nurse that comes in to take care of him? No, he kidnaps a ER doctor to come take care of him. Okay. 
I still don't know exactly where Amanda is getting all of these supplies. She can't get some supplies, but she can get other ones and a gurney and monitors and all this other stuff. I don't know. She has some sort of wholesale hospital seller that helps her out <laughs> to get equipment. I just thought of it now. Hmm. This actually is kind of answered, but it makes sense how he would have access to all this equipment. I can't wait for that to pay off. <laughs> Um, so Jigsaw says that he knows Lynn, asks if she knows him. She does know him based on the news and says that Dr. Gordon was his doctor. Jigsaw makes some sort of quip about how they were each other's patients. I was his patient and he was mine. Amanda then throws Jigsaw's medical file into Lynn's lap. Lynn starts quickly scanning through and she tells him that there are no preventative treatments for what he has. Jigsaw says, leave it up to a doctor to find such a cold clinical way to say I'm a dead man walking. Look at me. How long would you say I have? Lynn says she would have to examine him, but even then, frontal lobe tumors are unpredictable. She tries to explain using some medical jargon. Jigsaw coming back. Oh yeah, I love the comeback. The quip here, Jigsaw just looks at her, says, I don't know, does this makeshift hospital room make you think you're in a hospital right now? <laughs> She's like, no. <laughs> then why are you talking to me like I'm another doctor or something along those lines? And that was perfect. Perfect. Lee Winnell. So he yells at her. It's very startling. He says, look at me. Tell me how long you think I have based on your experience. She says it's not a simple answer, but based on his file, not long. Which isn't a time frame. Yeah. <laughs> Jigsaw gets all judgy again, saying that she takes antidepressants. And my side note here is, why do they treat people who take antidepressants in this series like they don't value their lives? If they're taking antidepressants, they are trying to make steps to make sure that they are valuing their lives, that they are healthier. Why are we shaming depression and antidepressants? Well, it's a big stigma on them. Um, and this also is a product of its time. It is 2005, I want to say. And the real big turnaround in the mental health side, really, I want to say, as somebody that struggles, uh, really just came around for it to be open and with it publicly could maybe be in the last couple of years, way after these movies came out. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's right, but it makes sense for when it was probably written and shot, you know, just how the world was, what feels like a million years ago, but if you really think about it, it's only been a last couple of years where being open about mental health struggles is not something that's looked down upon. That's one season. That is a fair point. And, you know, I, I only know because I've been, you know, I've been in my own struggle, so I've seen it change <laughs> over my, over my, over my time. Yeah, I don't know. I, my family has always been firmly anti-mental health whatever but i always from a very young age was fascinated by mental health and didn't see any shame in admitting that you needed help i always viewed it as any other sort of disease that you could possibly have why would you judge someone for needing to take a popper you wouldn't but either way jigsaw keeps on judging this woman he she's turned her back on her husband and neglects her child jigsaw wants to play a game he says the rules are simple the consequences are dire the, the, the consequence will be death if she fails and and the task is to someone alive. There is so much going on in this scene. So much that they reveal later. Watching this movie, it's better when you know where it's going. And that's hard to do with these kind of twisty and turn movies to make it still good when you know where the surprises are. 
I but I agree it would be better on a second watch for me I struggled a lot writing my notes because this was my first watch of this movie and I didn't know where they were going with it whereas even seeing Saw 2 for the second time I at least knew where they were ending up so I could pay attention to all the little hints along the way and write them all down and recognize them but with this movie it was hard to figure out what was worth writing down and what wasn't yeah it's like you never know what is a hint and what is just conversation anything could be anything at any point and just something as innocuous as pass me some water could mean so much more and the beautiful thing about it is they flash back at the end to every little thing you missed like remember this remember this remember this remember this i do always appreciate that like big flash i'm like oh oh okay yep that'll happen right i see now (laughs) that sort of look it meant something okay I thought you were just looking to the side, but apparently no, that was important. Okay, got it. At this point, Amanda places a device around Lynn's neck. It is connected to Jigsaw's heart rate. If his heart rate monitor goes down, if not down, if it stops, if he dies, she will die, it will explode. Also, if she walks too far away from Jigsaw's body, it will explode. And then that's when they release her from a wheelchair, right? And that's when they let her walk around, quote unquote, free? Yeah, exactly. And it's at this point, too, that Amanda says that there is another victim, and they are being put through some right now if he makes it through all of his challenges and jigsaw survives amanda will remove the collar should be able to go free but they don't call him a victim they call him like a subject or another participant i think it's a subject i wrote victim because that's what they are and i don't like i don't like how willy-nilly they, they've been using the word jeff in these um in these movies i know i <laughs> I was like, they really like the name Jeff for their victims. Yes, they don't like Jeff, but they like the name Jeff. You want to rope alone both movies with my name in them. You must know a Jeff and not like Jeff. That's what I'm thinking. Like, it was just his childhood bullying. He's like, yeah, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff's a jerk. I was just going to make all the bad things happen to him. Oh, no. Uh, so at this point, we do cut to Jeff. We don't know his name is Jeff yet, but we cut to him. He's trapped in a box that's suspended in the air uh, with a tape recorder. He presses play. We find out his name is Jeff. We find out that his child was killed by a drunk driver, and the dr- drunk driver got a minimal sentence and walks free today. Jigsaw lets him know that he will suffer through each test that he is going to be put up against, but given the chan- he will be given the chance to forgive as well. Finally, he will be able to face his son's killer, and the ultimate test is to forgive him. He will get two hours. Considering what he has ahead of him, two hours is a lot of time. I mean, it's not a lot of time. Thinking about therapy and like how many weeks of therapy I had to go through of one hour sessions <laughs> to just have a minimal breakthrough of small things. <laughs> this poor man. No therapist present. Two hours. Go. Just a couple rooms with terrible things in them, and you're going to have to make tough decisions. Absolutely brutal. The box then breaks open, and Jeff is thrown onto the floor. He then has some flashbacks to him drunkenly holding a gun and fantasizing about making his killer pay. He gets mad at his daughter at one point because he notices that she took a toy from his dead son's room. A very sad scene. It's the opposite of the Dr. Gordon with his daughter scene. The exact opposite, yeah, because you're watching this, and it's tragic he lost his son. I get it. It's horrible. But you have a daughter there that I'm sure is... All, and then all she says is, I just wanted something to sleep with me to remind me of him. Like It was even not like she was taking it for something bad. It was because she misses her brother. 
and wanted something. And he's just like, you can't touch this. You can't do it. You, how many times do I have to tell you to leave his stuff alone? And it breaks my heart because he leaves. And then she comes into the room and apologizes for doing nothing wrong. It's so sad. It's heartbreaking. You feel, I felt for this little girl. Like Jeff has a line here where he implies that the mom is gone somewhere. What would mom think if she were to see us like this? And, she, and all the little girl says, I need to get ready for school and leave. Yeah. <laughs> And then uh, Jeff leaves the gun on the bed, gets up to close the closet, and as he closes the closet, Pigface is revealed behind the door. I pretty much know at this point that Pig Mask is now always Amanda, since Jigsaw is now bedridden, can't move, can barely talk, and he is... He's worse than he was in the last movie. I, well, you know, after Donnie decided to <laughs> body slam him <laughs> and break all his fingers, I don't think he's doing too well, plus his brain tumor. Yeah, on top of everything else. So <laughs> we come back and it's... um. And then we're back in the little shop of horrors with Amanda and she's watching the monitors, watching Jeff's progress, as well as watching and keeping an eye on Lynn. Lynn's examining Jigsaw and she says that he needs to go to a hospital for an operation and proper medicine. Amanda threatens her at this point and Jigsaw tells her not to, that there are rules. We need to follow the rules that have been set. It's interesting because now we always need someone at 11. <laughs> Is that like going to be every single movie from here on? There's always somebody at 11? I don't know because I'm noticing that on this watch through now, how someone's always at 11. This movie, it's Amanda's turn to be at 11. I'm thinking Lee Winnell might have some anger issues. <laughs> One or two? It's all because of Jeff. Whatever Jeff did to Lee, Lee I'm sorry. Whatever I did, I take it back. I, please, just forgive me. Whatever you need. He will need you to go through several tests that involve pig mulch and... Um, I don't know how to do the pig mulch. The freezing thing was rough. And I'm good on cold. I like I like cold weather, but that's... And I'm not sure that would happen to a person, what happens to that poor lady. But let's get to that. Uh, where are we? Oh, Amanda's threatening. Jigsaw's telling her there are rules. We gotta follow the rules. And then he begins to seize, coughing up blood as he's seizing. Lynn's doing whatever she can to try to save him, getting Amanda to jump in and pull the oxygen mask on his face. But Amanda's losing it. She's very emotional. Paralyzing fear. Maybe not fear, but paralyzing the situation. She cannot stand for something that happened to John or Jigsaw or something. Exactly. He's very much her father figure. She's very upset when she sees him in distress. Lynn is able to stabilize him and she walks out of the room with Amanda saying, are you convinced now? He needs an operation. And Amanda does agree that he needs the operation, but she tells her that she has to do it here. They are not taking him to the hospital. And she demands that Lynn tell her what she needs in order to complete the operation. Pretty much just give me a shopping. What do you need? No, we need this, this, and this. And then I'll, is this the part where she throws a medical book at, at Lynn? Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, oh, I think that was before actually because they were talking about medicine yeah because uh, he needs steroids he needs this you're giving him painkillers but he needs x y z oh you mean like this 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 and this toss like a uh, medical bus maybe five inches six inches thick it's, it's huge with a whole bunch of bookmarks in it don't tell me stuff i don't know just tell me what you need <laughs> to do this amanda's always at 11 she is but she's always at 11 even when she, even when she's not showing it which is my favorite part because this times is i think i don't know if it's now or a little bit later when lynn's walking around seeing how she can escape and when amanda catches her so oh so hmm, so what are you trying to do here i love that scene yeah 
was so, she's so cool. So matter of fact, oh, you want this axe here? Hold this. You know, you're the doctor. I, I'd go for the neck, but you would know better than I would how to do this. Um, but all I have to say is I hope you know how to figure out how to get that chain off you so it doesn't kill you. And all this, so it really cements her in the situation where she's stuck. And she wasn't at 11 while she was doing that. She, but later on, she gets to the point of no return over something very innocent. Right now, we're back with you. <laughs> we're back with Jack. No, I'm back. Yeah, you're back. He's walking through this hallway. He sees that there's a door to a walk-in freezer, and it says, face your fears on it. He goes inside. The door is locked behind him, and a woman is hanging naked. Naked woman chained to a pipe, I think, in a, in a walk-in freezer, shivering, because it looks like she had been there a while. She was passed out when he first walks in, and he has to wake her up. And I think she starts going off on him, thinking that he's the one that's doing this to her. Which makes logical sense if you're in that situation. He immediately tries to free her with the key that he had from the first box, but he realizes that the key is not the key to her padlock. He then tries it on the door behind her. It's not the key for that either. And this is a very inventive trap, I have to say. Somebody got brownie points that day when they came up with this one. Um, so when she is, she's chained to something, a pipe of something where she can't move. Arms over her head, butt naked. On her left and to her right, there's like spigots, like sprinklers that shoot cold water at her while she's in the freezer, making her even colder. Torturous. This is to watch. Yeah, it's it's really brutal, especially as a person who lives in a very cold country and hates cold. <laughs> so were you like slightly traumatized watching this one? Just pick, imagining? Yes. Also, as a person that worked in the restaurant business for a very long time, I just... I remember being stuck in a freezer one time. It's not fun. Very cold. But no one like spritzed you with cold water while in the freezer, right? No, I wasn't chained to the pipe. I I had clothes on, you know, I was at work. Gotta keep it safe for work. Not all jobs will let you just be butt naked serving food, I guess. <laughs> oh, anyways, we find out this woman's name is Danica. She was the only witness to Jeff's son's murder, and she didn't testify at the trial. He needs to get the key that is to both her lock and his and the padlock on the door. It's behind a set of freezing pipes. They are just out of reach. Yeah, and I, did Jeff wake up with a sweater on? And because I know he has one on in this scene. Yeah, he was wearing it the whole time. Yeah, he woke up with a sweater. Um, so he goes over to first. He yells at her for a little bit over why didn't you? Why'd you leave? Why didn't you help my son? My son is dead. My son was dead. And she's like, "Look at me. You're gonna let me like, save me. Um, I'm just a human like you are, like your son was. Begging for a life is what she's doing. And she's getting spritzed with cold water, freezing. Yeah, you can see the ice forming on her and. And so then he finally goes over to the pipes to go reach for the key, realizes that it's out of reach. In the meantime, she freezes to death. He does try to save her. He does try, but it's far too late by the time that he's able to reach the key. He has to press his face up against the pipe, which ends up ripping off a piece of his skin. And my immediate thought here was, why didn't he take off his sweater and wrap it around the pipe and then do this? Same exact thing I thought. Or I was like, you don't even have to wrap it around a pipe. You can just pull it, pull it up to your face. That way it's between your face and the pipe. Something. You had clothing. <laughs> she didn't. And did she need to be naked? Not that I'm complaining. So originally they did have a plan for her to be wearing a t-shirt and some panties. But they realized that if they were going to spray her with water, then that inherently becomes more sexual. Ah, uh, yes. And thus, they, they didn't want that to be the focus of it. So they thought if she was just naked, it was less sex, sexualized. 
Although they're right, I think this might be the first time I've ever heard of less clothes making it less sexual at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I I know, but like wet t-shirt contest, there's implications. <laughs> like I get it, they, they, they were a hundred percent right. Like it's all right, that was a good choice. I see how they got there. Funny how that works out. How less clothes made it less sexual when it's never that way, or hardly ever, I guess, because now it can't be never. Never say never. By the time he gets the key, not only is she dead, there is maybe an inch worth of ice frozen like on her body. Yeah, and he like taps her nose and it cracks. And he looks distraught. He does. He stumbles his way out of the room, and there's a new box sitting right outside the door. The note says, one bullet will end it all, and there's a torn picture of his son and a bullet. Um, this is the part, and now we get to the part I was talk- talking about earlier with Lynn walking around, trying to find a way to either release herself or get away. And that's when Amanda catches her. And go to her, right, come on, you want to get away? Here's your axe, here's your weapon, there's a whole bunch of stuff here you can use. Just, but even if you do do this, there's going to be no way for you to get out of here. I, I built the, the collar you're wearing myself. If you get more than 20 feet out the door, it's going to explode and you're going you're gonna to die that way. You could try to fill it with it, try to take it off yourself. But, you know, it could be finicky with the wires. It could just go off. If you really want to chance it, I guess you can. If you're brave enough for that. Exactly. So Lynn realizes her fate's kind of sealed here, but she also needs to argue with Amanda about I can't operate here. I don't have the tools to save a life. And Amanda looks at the reverse player trap and says, you'd be surprised what tools can save a life. This is where we got our flashback to Jigsaw creating Amanda's original test from Saw 1 with the reverse player trap. And it was hard for me to keep a lot of this stuff secret when we watched Saw 1. Yeah. Oh, how did Jigsaw pick this guy up? He's sick and all in his old. It wasn't him. But we got this whole entire sequence. We see how Jigsaw put it all together for Amanda. And then at the end of the sequence, we see him approaching her pretty much just after she did the interview with the police officers in front of Dr. Gordon because she's wearing that same black t-shirt and she has her hair in the ponytail. She goes through a couple of hairstyles in this movie. She does. She has some bad wigs. It's not for me to notice. I'm like, wait, why she has a pixie cut now? Wait, her hair is long. Wait, a ponytail. Hey, what? We then flash back to the makeshift hospital room. Jigsaw tells Amanda that she needs to do something for him. There's an envelope in his desk with her name on it. Amanda is upset. She says that she can't do this without him. And she asks uh, why he chose Lynn. Was it because she's the best doctor? And Jigsaw says, that's one of the reasons I chose her. This is where I started to like put things together. And my first thought was, was she the drunk driver? And then I'm like, no, 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 no. He said he. He said he. It was a male drunk driver. Okay, so she she's involved somehow was she the doctor that couldn't save his life no it wasn't implied that he was alive when he got hit she's the mom (laughs) (laughs) oh so you got to the mom yeah well because i was like no there's another reason so i just started to like puzzle it out and i had to pause the movie so that i could think (laughs) i just sat there and i thought for a minute i'm like she's gonna be the mom she said that she's neglecting her child they have a child still they have this daughter and she's being neglected you didn't get thrown off by by the the hotel man being her, the husband. The divorce line threw me, so I thought that because um I think we already know at this point that it's mentioned that it's been three years since the son died. So I thought that she had remarried and was unhappy in that marriage too. Okay. That's what I thought. Not that her lover was asking her to divorce her husband. Yeah, I I figured that out at the end, but I thought that she had like remarried and abandoned her child and her husband. She didn't look happy in the affair either. Yeah, exactly. So that's why I thought it was an unhappy marriage and he was asking for a divorce. That does make a lot more sense. But still, but, you know, they have to try to trick you a little bit. That pause function and I was able to figure it out. 
Oh, well, I, I was in the theater. I couldn't really stop the movie theater. I'm like, all right, everybody, stop. Hold on. Let me think. <laughs> I need some time to think. Guys, just Hold on. Let me pull out my corkboard and my, my pins and my red string. I need to figure this out. Hold on. <laughs> don't you call me out. You don't know what my walls look like. <laughs> <laughs> just red string and pictures everywhere. I want to have one of those in my room. That doesn't mean anything. I'm just going to... It'll be like pictures of fire hydrants, just a tree, like nothing that means anything, all connected. This is going to be captures. All the things you got to do for a capture to prove you're a human being, like pictures of sailboats and trains and fire hydrants and crosswalks, whatever else you have to pick in these weird things to prove you're a human. Uh, red string connecting them all when i was working on our franchise list of future movies etc and uh i was editing up the list to say how many movies were in each franchise so i had to quickly google each franchise and every single time it asked me if i was it was like you've been flagged are you a robot because i was just searching da 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 franchise da 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 franchise <laughs> thought that i was a robot just searching through <laughs> I'm, I suck at the ones that have the squiggly letters. Oh, I can't do those. I'm dyslexic, so it's even worse. I'm like, what's happening here? Did you mean to say you're a robot? I'm a dyslexic robot. Fail the Turing test. That's what it is. Uh, but we're back with Jeff. And he's walking down another hallway. He finds Billy the Puppet laid out on the floor and looks like his dead son. Yeah, it's dead. He picks up Billy the pu Puppet and he has that stupid Halloween laugh again. The animatronic Halloween laugh. And so he tosses him to the floor. And then he sees the next door that says, time to let go. And this is the nastiest trap in this game. It's triggered by him opening the door. The door then locks behind him. And we hear immediately a voice crying out for help. I can hear you. You're there. Somebody save me. And Jeff doesn't say anything. I don't say a word. Don't know why I don't say a word. I don't know, Jeff. You're real cool. Yeah, I, I'm a mean. I'm a mean individual. Apparently, just walking up. I can hear you. And to the point where the guy, to the point where the guy in the vat even says, "Say something." <laughs> Just something. Anything. Come on. Uh, so Jeff walks up this ladder and he sees there's a tape player and there's a man chained to the bottom of a vat that's empty. It's the judge from the case of his son's death. And Jeff needs to turn on an incinerator that is filled with his son's possessions in order to get the key to unlock the judge from the bottom of the vat. That one is a rough one. Because they even, this one they even, um... So well-written this is, because they even set up how he treated his kids' toys as a shrine, that no one could even touch them. Now they make them actually burn them to a crisp, to, to ash, in order to save the man that sentenced his son's killer to six months or whatever it happened to be. Yeah, exactly. And this is when the rotting pig carcasses come out. I did appreciate they were not real pig carcasses. Uh, they were made from foam and rubber latex, but there were real maggots on them. Oh, maggots. But then the pig carcasses were coming out of somewhere at an infinite amount of them on hooks. The warehouse. Oh, yeah. Pig carcasses are not incredibly cheap. So, again, with the infinite funds of Jigsaw. Not for nothing. These were all rotted. So I'm sure he got these at a discount. Oh, I just assumed he had them for a while. Or that. Because normally if you're a, if you have pig carcasses, you know, to sell for everything they use pig carcasses for, you know, food and goods and whatnot. You were going to try to get rid of them before they... Are crawling with maggots? I would think. I would think they would be kind of useless at that point. But they aren't useless because you can liquefy them and try to drown someone in them. So you got to love that American can-do attitude. You know, we can turn lemons into lemonade, I suppose. Turn pig carcasses into pig mulch. Into sludge? It was more like sludge. Yeah, it was 
Scientology. So originally, this trap was supposed to have uh, the judge being lowered into the meat grinder. That was what was supposed to be happening. But then they thought that this would be more fun. Actually, I ha- and I think I agree. It's nastier. It's way nastier and probably more memorable because of how nasty it is. I don't know which one I would have appreciated more. I think this... Uh, I think, again, they made the right choice on this one. I think this one... Because you've seen people get lowered into things before. Even in Bond movies, you see Bond get lowered into a vat of tanks. A tank full of sharks or whatever. You know, you've seen, you've seen this. But you can say you've never seen this ever before or again. As a person who's never actually seen a James Bond movie but has only seen Austin Powers, all I can think of is freaking sharks with freaking laser beams. Exactly. I've only seen the newer James Bond movies. I never was a fan of the older ones when I was growing up. But I had to sit in the room while my uncle watched them every so often. And I just found them so boring as a kid. But it wasn't for me. I did like I did like the knockoff ones. They were like these weird movies that get looks could kill with Richard Rico, which I really liked, which is like a wannabe James Bond movie, but he was in high school. And it, yeah, it's stupid premise. Um, he's in high school. They kill a spy. And they get like the, their names are like the same or they get like, their plane tickets confused. He's on a school trip to France. It's always a school trip to France. <laughs> school to France or England or whatever to Europe and they all the bad guys think no not even just the bad guys the good guys everybody thinks that this is a spy because nobody knows what he looks like he just is the best spy in the world and gets dispatched of rather easily in the first 10 minutes of the movie for this whole identity confusion to happen and hijinks ensue sounds like a product of its time <laughs> oh, I have to agree <laughs> all right uh, so first Jeff goes running down to the incinerator and he tries to open it to save his son's items, but it will not open. So he hits the button, he incinerates them, and the key drops down into the bottom bin where the ashes are collected. And he pulls out the key, he runs back up the ladder and jumps into the vat of goo. <laughs> and he, the judges, just his mouth and his nose are sticking up over the goo still. So he's able to unlock him before he drowns and saves the judge. Saves his life. And I think I like the judge being saved because I like the judges seems to be a good person. I guess he's a compass for Jeff for the remainder of his time in this movie. He does try to help him because I know you're going through pain. I know you're going through it. But even if I had given this guy a billion years, it wouldn't have made you feel any better. It wouldn't have brought him back. So he tries to reason with him. But I am very focused on my revenge plot. Very focused. Jeff is a stubborn person. That's what you need. To I am. I, I am a Taurus. It does. Yeah, it does make sense. <laughs> can be bullheaded and stubborn. Yeah, and it, it, it all tracks. Uh, at this point, we cut back to the makeshift hospital room, and Lynn is preparing for surgery. Amanda tells Jigsaw that Jeff saved the judge, and at this point, I I wrote a note and then immediately wrote my correction to the note underneath it because I'm writing. Why is he awake for the surgery? And then Amanda asks the same thing. And she says that the patient needs to be fully alert for this surgery. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think for all kind of brain surgery, you're awake. Praying right now that I never need brain surgery. <laughs> so she starts the surgery. It's a very intense surgery for someone to be doing completely alone in a non-sterile environment without a mask on. I just, no. Anyways, uh, Amanda gets called over to help at one point. She's trying to help, but Amanda's face agrees with me here, saying that this is completely insane and gross. I have to love the detail they go to in the surgery, because they base, they show every step of the surgery. Yeah, so they had to go to the rating board or whatever, 
because this was one of the reasons they were getting an NC-17 rating in there. They explained, well, why can you show medical documentaries and things like that? And they don't get that rating. This is the same difference. So they knocked down their rating. Makes sense because they were just showing a surgery. It wasn't gratuitous. There was no violence associated with it. It was literally just brain surgery. It was super gross, though, and super not sterile. I don't even think she was wearing gloves. She definitely didn't have a face mask on. And we all know the importance of masks now. <laughs> Anyways. Yes. It was a different era back then. There was no there was no Rona back then. So it was, it was safe to be maskless, I guess. <laughs> to perform surgery on someone's brain without a mask. Yeah, definitely safe. And to get their blood splattered all over your face. Definitely safe. Yeah. You're already in a dirty warehouse. It's, you know, how much worse can it get? It's... Yeah. If he doesn't die from this brain tumor, he may die from sepsis. Just say. Some kind of infection, something. Because she drills, what, five holes into his... Well, she cuts his skull open, or his... Uh, to expose his skull, cleans it off, drills into his skull, then saws to, like, open a little door. Then gets a little hook, pulls off a piece of a skull, and I think she... Does she try to give it to Amanda, and Amanda's not having it? I am not sure. I was focusing more on writing down notes of how not sterile this whole entire thing was, as opposed to watching it, because I don't do well with gore. Oh, boy. Oof. But she, yeah, she was not having it at this point. She, nope, not one. Nope, can't do this. And she just has a scared deer in the headlights look the entire time this is going on. As you would if you were watching your father figure getting his brain poked at. And and you know, she wasn't a doctor at any point. You know, she was a drug dealer. I mean, a uh, drug user and stuff. And that was it. And a cutter, we find out. Yes, we do. But John starts crashing. Then starts panicking. She gives him oxygen. As he's crashing, John starts having these flashbacks to this beautiful, curly-haired blonde woman who, at one point, it shows him using a video camera to record her. And they're in this park. They both tell each other that they love each other. And back in the OR, he says, I love you out loud. And Amanda, I I feel like Amanda feels he's saying that to her. He's, he, Amanda feels like she's he's saying it to the doctor to Lynn. Oh. Because at that point he's crashing. His face is turned to Lynn and Lynn's like holding his hand trying to revive him. Mm -hmm. You know, breathe, do this, John, blah, blah, blah. And then he's in his days because he's seeing the blonde woman, which spoiler warning, it's his wife, uh, which is not going to be a big leap to who that could be. Uh, and she does show up in the series, in case you were wondering. Um, he says, I love you. He's half awake. I don't even think his eyes are open. But then the, it cuts to Amanda. And boy, she has like laser beams in her eyes and flames shooting out of her ears. And she goes to full, I don't even know what to call it, jealous girlfriend mode? I don't know what to say. It was a full. Yeah, she's definitely jealous in this part. There's a flashback now. Oh, sorry. I forgot. So she's in her jealous mode and she walks out and she goes over to what appears to be her bed and bedroom area and she grabs this box of what looks like medical supplies. And this is where we get the flashback of Jigsaw telling her that she must give herself to him completely, every cell of her being or something to that regard, that the marks on her arms are from another life and she's going to have a new life that starts with him. He then hands her an envelope and we also get the reveal here that she's the one that kidnapped Adam in the first Saw movie. And they bring Adam back for this Saw movie. He's, he, he shoots new scenes from the look of it. He's back. The part of the reason that Adam came back was Lee Winnell was literally writing rewrites to the script on the set of Saw 3. There was, it didn't specify in IMDb, but it said one pivotal scene. He jotted down on napkins for the actors to read off of. That's how fresh it was. 
plot. I have to say, I respect his writing because this this is a very intricate plot. Yes, definitely. And perhaps that's why he had to continually jump in and add things as he realized there were perhaps some plot holes. It's, this movie is easy to have many plot holes in and that would just get overlooked. There's so much. It's, it's a very dense movie. It's, um, a lot of things mean three things. A lot of a lot of phrases, they say it, but it doesn't mean... It means what they're saying and two other things. It's very a thinker kind of movie. It's, I like it. I enjoy it. Spoiler warning for the end for when I get my rating. I'm enjoying it. <laughs> um, so... We also get a cut back to her as in the middle of this flashback, and she has secretly been cutting her inner thigh. It appears she has several cuts that have been healing along her thigh, and she takes a knife to her thigh again. We then flash back again, and she's bringing Adam into the bathroom set. Interesting fact here, this bathroom set was actually the bathroom set of Scary Movie 4. They just asked to use it. They didn't want to build it again. <laughs> So they asked Scary Movie 4 if they could use their set, and I found that really funny. It reminded me of one time my friend, my best friend, Gail, and I, we decided to do this mission where we were going to watch all the Scary Movie movies and all the movies that they referenced within the movies so that we would have further context. We got to Scary Movie 3 when we finally gave up. You picked a good time to... to <laughs> yeah, exactly. You picked a good time to dip out of that because after that, they really they pile on the references. Yeah. And not only that, in that, for that, they had rebuilt the scene, uh, the set, I should say, from, from Saw 1, basically exactly the way it was originally, but Scary Movie. But even if they had to rebuild it, it would have been the same that was already somewhere already built. Yeah, exactly. So it just made more sense for them to go onto the Scary Movie set and film there. And, and so. dirty it up because in Scary Movie, very clean. <laughs> I, is that where Shaq's chained up? Yes. Yes. That's where Shaq is chained up. Yeah. I forgot where Shaq is. I forgot who is there with him, but it's Shaq. Maybe Kevin Hart? I forgot. I don't remember. I, I just remember it being Shaq and I don't remember what happens other than Shaq is there. I, <laughs> I have this really weird card game. It's called Hypotheticals by Chuck Klosterman and it's just these insane questions. And one of them is you arrive at your apartment and you notice that the door is unlocked. When you walk in, you smell the scent of marijuana. You see that there is a case, a suitcase full of diamonds in the middle of your floor and your shower is on. As you walk into your shower, you see Shaquille O'Neal completely high out of his mind, showering in your shower. He looks at you and then goes back into the shower. What do you do? Um, the diamonds, maybe? Um... <laughs> Oh, and Shaq has no idea why he's there. He tells you. Oh, I don't know why I'm here. All right. Oh. Is there a right answer to this question? Is there something I should do? No, because they're hypotheticals, and the whole point is not your actual answer. It's yeah. your thought process the just and the crazy conversation it Because I would call the cops, because technically Shaq broke into my house and got high and left me diamonds, I suppose. I'm sure I could take a picture of naked Shaq and sell it to somebody for, for, for a decent amount of money. Oh, but anyways, back to the movie. <laughs> I just picture him in the shower doing that one gif that everybody has where he's like, has the like happy smiley face and he's shaking his shoulders. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying he's to picture showering. him trying to fit in my shower. I'm trying to picture him just how he would fit in my shower. I have really high ceilings, so I think 
thinking you might be okay. I'm thinking, I'm like, man, he might, he's very uncomfortable. He must be high. There's, there's no way he could enjoy being in this tiny little <laughs> shower. It's just like curved over. He looks like a candy cane. <laughs> the nozzle basically hitting him in the, in the stomach is what I was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, back in these flashbacks, uh, Amanda's chaining yeah. Adam up in the bathroom, and it shows how they were staging everything. It shows uh, Jigsaw putting the makeup on his head and pouring the blood all over the floor. Amanda filling up the bathtub, her putting Adam in the bathtub, and then she just throws the key on his chest in the water. We watch as Jigsaw injects himself. I'm oh, sorry. No, no you, you were getting to it now. Uh, the injection, I think, is for people saying, how could he lay on the ground for six hours and not notice, and them not notice that he, and not move or not anything. So I think this throwaway line exists just to answer that question that people have after the movie came out. That's what I was thinking, too. And they say that he injects himself with something to slow his heart rate and relax his muscles. He then lays down on on the floor and Amanda turns up the lights and locks him up in the bathroom. Did you notice the Dr. Gordon um, person on the ground? I, I didn't notice that he was covering his face. I was I didn't pay close attention to him. Uh, I, I was looking for that. I'm like, there's no way Carrie owes his back, especially since he told me that he sued for money. So he, I don't think they had resolved that part of it yet. Yeah. So I was wondering if they were even going to try to show the Biden. They show they just showed on one scene. He's face down, hand, both hands around his face, making sure you can't see a thing. <laughs> I didn't notice that. That's awesome. <laughs> We then flash back and Lynn is sadly putting back on her wedding band and cleaning up. Amanda re-enters, she hugs Jigsaw, and it appears like she's whispering something to him, and Lynn tells Amanda that he can't hear you, he doesn't even know that you're there. Amanda then grabs Lynn by the throat and reaches for a gun that she has in her waistband. And Jigsaw is apparently conscious. He calls out to her and tells her to stop, to put it away, and just trust him. But at this point, we we flash back, and at first we don't realize that it's a dream. Amanda is walking around the little shop of horrors, and then she suddenly sees this glitchy hallucination of Adam walking through the shop. It's then that she wakes up from the dream, and she decides that she needs to sneak out and head back to the bathroom. This is weird. She sneaks out out to the back she quietly sneaks um she walks by jigsaw which is and he noticed her get up and he notices her walk by him but he doesn't move she breaks into the bathroom you see her walking up to adam he's still alive at this point she wakes he's like he's like passed out and weak you see her, her you think the way the scene is going you think she's there to let him go yeah she even says like i'm here to help you but instead but instead she pulls out a plastic bag and suffocates him or Adam. It was brutal. And I, I was already sad that Adam was dead, as we've discussed in the previous two episodes. But this was such a brutal... I guess it's better than him starving to death. It's more of a mercy kill. But this was a brutal mercy kill. And it's not like she was doing it to be a mercy kill. She was doing it based, just to kill him. She was doing it just to commit murder. I thought it was a mercy kill, almost. I don't know, because... <laughs> Later, it's just like all everything she's doing doesn't seem mercy based. It seems like she just gets a taste for killing. But this one, it was she was haunted by his ghost and compelled to go to him. Which would have made sense to ghost if he was already dead, but he was still alive, so she had the option to let him go. But anyways, I don't know if it was mercy killing or not. I I saw it as kind of some sort of mercy. But did she like bash his head against the like, the tub too? Did she? That's the part. That's the thing. Like it cut away. I thought she did it, then it cut away. I wasn't sure, and I didn't want to rewind it at the time. I was too into the movie. Meanwhile, I was like, I have rewound this too many times. I need to get on with this movie. <laughs> it's been four hours. I need. I need to go back. Seriously. <laughs> but anyway, we're back with Jeff and the judge. 
is. And the judge is trying to console him at this point. I'm not console him, but trying to reach him. Trying to tell him to get over it. And not get over it, but trying to tell him to work towards moving on not, and not hold on to this. Because vengeance solves nothing. It just makes the pain greater. Meanwhile, Jeff finds the next door. This door says, here's your chance. And there's a new box. The new box says, it has a note in it that says, one step closer to your revenge. There's a torn picture of his daughter and clip to the gun that the bullet fits in. Then kicks open the door and again, it's attached to a trap. So the trap starts as soon as he opens the door. There's a man and he is pinned to a cross. The man within his face, you see that he recognizes Jeff immediately. Then with the tape recorder that's around his chest that starts playing. Also, like, how did the tape recorder start playing? (laughs) Well, he he reaches up for it and he just presses play. He doesn't pull it off his neck. He just reaches up and and starts it. Okay, fair. (laughs) I missed that. Uh, So through the tape recorder, it reveals that this is the man that killed his son. He's 27 years old. He was a medical student. His name is Timothy Young. His limbs are going to be slowly twisted and he will die from this eventually. There is a key. It's attached to the trigger of a shotgun. And as Jigsaw says, Jeff needs to take a bullet to save the life of the man who killed his child. The judge is telling Jeff that he has to help this man by standing by, you are an accomplice to murder. Are you a murderer? Jeff says that he's wanted to murder this man for three years now. And the judge tries to get the key. He tries to break the box. He does try to break it, but he doesn't succeed. And then he's going up to the the dude and he's trying to help him in the trap. And Jeff goes and he sees that there's a way to unhook the key. And he does it. But then the shotgun goes off anyway and it hits the judge in the head. And the judge is no more. And it gets... It gets Jeff pretty. It gets me pretty good too. But it doesn't kill me. It just doesn't look in the armor. It gets him. Doesn't that graze him or something? Not grazed by his face. Yuri has the one wound from the cold pipe and then the bullet that grazed him. Yeah. But as per usual, he took too long. Is that what happened, or could he just not find where the key fits? Because that's what I thought was happening. He because he was going around the man's body and he was holding his chest and crying at one point, saying that he forgave him. Yeah, and then the last one that. The and twist his head around. But it, it was right when the head one was starting that he's running around trying to find somewhere for this key to go. And then he just stops and then he's just holding the man's chest and crying, saying, I forgive you, I forgive you. So I thought that he did try to save him in the end, but just couldn't figure out a solution to the trap, which makes sense for what we find out later. Now, to explain this trap a little bit, because we seem to have glossed it over, uh, he is in not so much a cross, he's in a cross, like T-pose, like arms out, and his hands and feet are skewered, skewered is a good one, skewered, and they're in like in cages. So his hands are in cages, and his feet are in cages, and his head is in another cage. And slowly gears start turning, and they turn... I think it starts with his arms first. Turning his arm to the past the point of no return and keeps on going until it breaks the bones in his arms. Same to his legs and then finally ending with his head, which the amount of pain this poor guy went through is... Yeah, his head does the full exorcist turn. It's not good. <laughs> and meanwhile, Jigsaw asks Lynn to tell him about her husband. Uh, she says that they're like strangers now, but she would give anything at this moment to see him. Jigsaw says marriage has always fascinated him. Husbands who can't look at their wives, wives on their backs in hotel rooms with strangers, neglected children, till death do us part indeed. And she is not happy to hear that thrown at her. He says, my marriage has survived more than you, than 
a man like you could possibly understand. Yeah, my, uh, my marriage has endured more suffering than you could grasp. And my question immediately was, really? More suffering than this man who likes to torture people for a living could ever grasp? I think he gets suffering. But I think he thought the same thing because he even calls him like a man like me. Yeah, he says, suffering, you haven't seen anything yet. He calls him a murderer and a monster. And he goes, no, I never, I'm not a murderer. I hate murderers. That comes back later. I don't condone murder. I despise murderers. Then that Lynn begs him to be let go, saying that she saved his life already. Jigsaw dismisses Amanda again as she enters the room. But she just continues to stand there staring at them both. So he asks Lynn to leave the room instead. And so she does. Yeah, she starts looking for an escape at this point. And she finds, she has this little scalpel. She tries to use that as to pick a lock. Doesn't work. She then finds, it looks like a, like a chisel is what it looked like to me off the, looking at it real quick. Um, she gets a door open. And as per usual with these things, it opens the door. But behind that door is another door or a gate, actually which is also locked. She's keeps on looking. She just knows she doesn't have that much more time, so then she comes back. Yeah, and, and my question here was, has she forgotten about the collar that she's wearing? Because as Amanda said, if she gets 20 feet outside, it's going to go off. So why are you looking for an escape route before they get this collar off you? The only thing I could think of is that at this point, she doesn't think she's going to be let go, especially Amanda already tried to pull a gun on her. This All this stuff is happening. Fair, but you would rather it glowed into pieces. Because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, all right, you keep on walking. I thought it was what I in my brain. I somehow remember her getting further out and it beeping and her coming back. Is what I was thinking, but just not. At this point, Amanda comes to get her to bring her back to the jigsaw, but she notices that the door is unlocked now. As she turns to ask why the door is unlocked, Lynn attacks her. She they have a bit of a fight sequence, and eventually Lynn gets the upper hand. But Amanda says that she'll never get the key. Mm-hmm. But Amanda, in the beginning of the movie, when she first put her she put a key around on a chain around her neck so she uh lynn pulls the pulls the chain gets the key but it's not the key to her lock it's not the key to anything so she just tosses it i think i think it was the key to the box it was happened to be the key to the box where she keeps her cutting stuff i think i didn't notice if it was but that would make sense jigsaw then says if she makes it through she will thank him lynn will thank him just like amanda did lynn says let her go she saved his life and jigsaw says at this point maybe it wasn't my life that i needed you to save and that, that, that i think that's when amanda comes in and gives the update that he's um out of the last room well first amanda finds the envelope in the desk and this is intercut with jeff being distraught and wandering through the halls and then it goes back to amanda she's panicking as she reads something that was in the envelope and getting very emotional jigsaw is pouring wax over a cassette tape that says play me as he's talking to lynn and he asks her to tell him about uh her daughter i i understand she's quite a little athlete he says i don't know why i wrote that down and then we see that jeff finds a crowbar and meanwhile jigsaw saying or we could talk about your son and lynn says what did you say he says why are you living with the dead when you have such a beautiful family amanda is getting a gun and as she pulls and she's pulling herself together jigsaw continues a husband who endures alone a daughter who needs her mother patients who needed a competent physician who looks them in the eye and and treats them like human beings. Amanda says that at this point, Jeff has completed the third test. And Jigsaw let her go. Man of his word. And Amanda says no. First, her argument is that Jeff isn't all the way through yet. But Jigsaw continues, no, we were people of our word. Let Lynn go. Lynn is more important than you know. 
And then uh, no, no, no. Then she pulls the gun on her, and Jigsaw tells her, even though you might have the gun on her, she she's holding your life in her hands. Exactly. Jigsaw questions how she felt about the other victims that were allowed to live, like uh, Detective Eric Matthews. And I think he does. He bring up Adam? Uh, no, he he just brings up first uh, Detective Matthews, aka Detective Donnie, and we get the flashback to Detective Donnie limping through the hallways with his broken and bloody foot, and we see that Amanda's in the hallway too. She had come back and she was going to kill him, but he's escaped. I thought it was she was on her way out. I thought he had left. Maybe I thought he had escaped. Maybe when she was still in the hallway leaving. Oh, maybe. Either way, she was she was in the hallway as he's limping out, screaming for um, Daniel. Mm-hmm. And then he attacks her uh, in the hallway with good old Frankie G's baseball bat. But then he falls due to his injured foot. As they struggle on the floor, Detective Donnie bites Amanda's ankle, and then he starts beating her head into a wall and screaming at her, Where is my son? Again, please let us know know where that's from. Yeah, I need to know. I've been trying to look for it. I haven't found anything. It's too generic. <laughs> I'm searching it, and then instead I get like news articles about like horrible cases of people's sons dying, and I'm like, I don't want that. I want this movie. <laughs> But um, she then, as she's screaming, my son, he sa- she says something which I can't recall, and then kicks him in the ankle. She's, it's like something like, here's your son, like some sort of like, here you go, I don't know. And then she stomps on his broken foot. And then at that point, she's walking away as if she's just going to leave him there. And he just keeps on calling after her, calling her a bitch, say- saying she's a junkie, saying she isn't Jigsaw, she's nothing. And that's what gets her. Yeah, that's what gets her, and... In present time, Amanda admits that she is a murderer. Jigsaw says that he's forgiven her and that he's gone to clean up her messes. Amanda says what he does is no different than murder, that he tortures people and he enjoys it and wants them to die, etc. So what he does is no different than murdering. They're having a real big spirited philosophical debate at this point over the differences over their point of views. Well, I'm I'm with her that he's he's no better than a murderer. He sets up people to die. He sets them up to die. But I always get the vibe that he wants them to succeed. Um, Whether or not I'm they sorry. do is a different story. Can we discuss Mark from Saw Look, One for a moment? He didn't want Mark to succeed. <laughs> Other than that. <laughs> uh, all right. Um, Besides Mark, because he goes above and beyond to try to help Jeff succeed. And Detective Matthews in the last one. Yes, that's true. But poor Mark. He just really didn't like Mark. No, yeah, and Mark must have been personal. Just like Lee doesn't like Jeff, Jigsaw does not like Mark. Yeah, but I think Jeff survives the first one. Jeff survives Saw 1 because he was, I think. Yes. Stop the yeah. drills. Yeah, from going into my head. So actually... Jeff goes through stuff, but he survives. I think Jeff survives this movie, too. He's in a bad way, but he survives. Yeah, Lee just wants to torture Jeff, so he doesn't want to kill him. <laughs> no. Why? Why? Why, Lee? What did I ever do to you? <laughs> uh, Jigsaw's telling Amanda that she's on a precipice. She needs to take a step back. If you fail, we all fail. If you succeed, we all succeed. She's screaming that she doesn't. She didn't change. Nobody ever changes, and uh, it's just she's just been a pawn in Jigsaw's stupid game. It's then that we see Jeff using the key to open up the gated door that Lynn had tried to escape through moments before. Jigsaw uh, is saying to Amanda that she means everything to him. Our fates are linked. I've tried to help you, Amanda. She's still hysterical, screaming. You think he might be trying to get through to her, but um, as Jeff makes it through um, the door, the gate, 
goes in the door and but just before that amanda screams at jigsaw why is she so important to you referring to lynn and he says she's not she is important to you reconsider now jeff gets uh a new box and it says last chance in the note and there's a gun and so and the last piece of the picture that has been torn up, but we don't get to see what the picture is. This is where Jeff enters the room with the loaded gun. Right when he enters in, he's walking through the room, and boom, gunshot. Um, Amanda has shot Lynn. So Amanda shoots Lynn. Lynn collapses through the doorway into Jeff's arms. It's revealed in that moment by Jigsaw that Lynn is Jeff's wife. And immediately, Jeff shoots Amanda in the neck. Yeah, one shot and he made it count. And this is where Jigsaw gives it up. Or not gives it up. Tells Amanda, this game was, this is your game. I was testing you this entire time. Then it cuts back to every time that he's talking about the game and about, I want to play a game. He's looking at Amanda. Um, It's about trying to keep somebody alive. He's looking at Amanda. The whole time you think he's talking to Lynn, he's actually talking to Amanda the whole time. Mm -hmm. Trying to let him, try to let him. Her know or that it's your game. I was testing you. Like I forgave you everything you did, but I had to give you one last test to see if you could actually leave somebody, keep them alive instead of killing them. Exactly. He's he tells her that her games were always unwinnable, and we get these flashbacks to how she made her games unwinnable. How she threw the key into the water on Adam's chest as opposed to putting it in his pocket or something like that, where he could have found it the welded shut door all these different cases where there was just no chance for the victim to survive the um the detective dizzy one where she actually got out Mm -hmm. and there was no she well she didn't get out she actually did the task at hand she got the key opened the lock so then nothing happened and her die anyway so amanda apparently dies on the floor and jigsaw begins talking to jeff and says, Jeff, don't kill me. Uh, think of your daughter. Then he also mentions time is running out for you to save your life. But if you move her body, your wife will die because of the caller. He mm-hmm. also says that he can get an ambulance here within four minutes. But there's one final test for Jeff. The rules are simple. Over on that table is a host of vicious instruments, which you can use to exact your pound of flesh, to take your vengeance, to indulge your obsession. Or you can choose to put your vengeance aside. You can forgive. You can forgive me for all the pain that I've caused you and your wife tonight, which which is going to be pretty much make your choice, live or die. Live or die. Choice is yours. So he goes, uh, I go over to, to the desk, uh, to the little table. There's a whole bunch of saws and knives and all kinds of things there. Picks one up, looks at like a circle of saw, puts it down, drops it to the ground, he goes over the jigsaw, and you think, and well, he puts his hand on his chest says, I forgive you. Looks at the eye, then all of a sudden, he pulls out the saw that they use to cut the brain open, look like, slits his throat. Which, as his heart rate goes to nothing, the collar is activated on Lynn. Oh yeah, and I forgot during this whole time where this is going on, um, Lynn, she's shot, so she can't really vocalize too well, apparently, and is trying to tell him to stop, because she knows more, and, but when Jigsaw dies, you just, were they like little shotgun shells, like, all around her neck? I don't know what it was. Or little bombs, or whatever it was, they go off, and when they show her, her, when they show her again, it's not pretty. No, yeah, her face is all blown off, and Jeff is crawling over towards her and pulling a Detective Danny, talking to her as if she's still alive. Oh, your beautiful hair! <laughs> oh yeah, your yeah, beautiful. Well, her hair was still there, so okay. <laughs> 
Um, and as Jigsaw had died, he had dropped a tape player. So Jeff now has that in his hand. He presses play on the tape and we get the reveal. That is the cliffhanger of this movie. Cliffhanger of the movie is, hey, um, Jeff, is your last if you're li- base- If you're listening to this test, to this tape, it means you have failed your test. As I told you, um, if you would have let me get, let me live, and I forgot how he worded it, but and the long story short is, hey, you should have left me alive because I'm the only person that knows where your daughter is right now. She doesn't have a she doesn't have a lot of air left. You can save her, but you're gonna have to do a couple things. You're gonna have to play a game. Play a game and credits. Considering this is your first time watching this movie the whole way through, what do you think? Final thoughts. Final thoughts. I liked this movie. I liked the idea that it was like that Jeff had his own challenge of forgiveness. And I liked that it wasn't like because when they had the plot twist of this was Amanda's test the whole time, I got frustrated with like the almost Saw 2 vibe of that of, oh, this was all just a setup for Detective Donnie and like everyone else was just a pawn. They had been used by him before and now they have to die for him. Like, what is this BS? But I appreciated that, no, Jeff has his own challenges. Yes, they're tied to Amanda's, but it's all his own challenge. So I did like that a lot. It was my first watch through, so I didn't notice a whole lot of plot holes or problems with it this time. It was grossly gory at points. I didn't like that. These are hard to... I. As I was watching it today, I forgot how much I enjoyed this movie, how much more I liked it than the second one. In my brain, I remember liking the second one a lot, but then as I'm watching this one today, I forgot how much better this one is than the second one. Like, it has more connections, it has more... It's trying to say something, incredibly enough, in its, in its, in the, in the saw way of it. In the, in the saw way, it's trying to say something, you know. Don't hold on to things that hurt you, you know, you gotta try to get past it, try to get over it, or it's gonna, or it's gonna tear you up and kill you. Granted, not with, uh, um, a rotting pig carcass, but still is going to kill you and you're going to lose things another along the way. So you got to try to forgive and be a better person in order to... And and how they just leave little breadcrumbs. Considering Lee Winnell said that he came back to write this movie and killed Jigsaw to, to stop them from making more movies, and they, they squeezed out four movies, four more movies. He dies in this one. He's in the next five movies. Huh. I am excited to see how that works. <laughs> Usually here is where I would start with, what would you do to make this up better movie and it's difficult with these movies to go for me to say what i would do especially because i know that it ties into the next movie so i feel to criticize anything happening in this movie like i don't know the complete plot yet almost so it's hard to criticize this one and say what i would fix i would fix amanda's wig okay get her get her better wigs get her better wig. these less gory because there's a lot of things that i would fix if it was a one-off i could think of a couple things i would fix but me knowing the rest of it i'm like all right that's there for a reason yeah the the pig goo was not necessary in my opinion but also we had 10 million dollars we couldn't get a decent wig <laughs> these these traps you know they cost a lot of money to get all these pig carcasses and um build the warehouse <laughs> They filmed in the same warehouse in Toronto that they did last time. <laughs> <laughs> they should have just bought the warehouse. They should have just bought it at this point. I think it would have been cheaper. I was going to say, what great this movie. This movie, oh man. We, we dipped on the last one. We did. Um, with so Both of us, on agreement. It didn't dip as much for me as it did for you, but it still did. But this one, I think we're, we're on an uptick. We went on an uptick. I gave the first one an eight. Mm-hmm. Um, saw two, if I remember right, I think I gave it a six. A little bit of a dip. And this one, I think we, we I want to say eight again, 
but Soul 1 is a better movie. But as I, hmm, you know what? Screw it. I had so much fun watching this movie today. <laughs> um, cause I, just, uh, I gotta go 8 again. 8 again. 8 again? That's eight again. Fair. What about you? I, I think it would be a 7 for me. Okay. I, I it's a big jump. I did enjoy it. Yeah, it's a big jump from my 5 last week. I'm doing the math, and that means so far this franchise is about 70%. Well, we shall see how I feel about the next one. Hopefully, it's good, but I, I'm having some doubts. <laughs> No, hey, we can do it. We can do it. I have, I have faith. I haven't seen it in a while, but I have faith. With the new critical eye, we're going to see good things. Lee Winnell is gone now. He doesn't he leaves for the rest of the series. Never comes, never to be seen or heard from again. Breaks my heart. At least we shall see him again one day in Insidious. Yes. We've already said it, but next week we're going to be watching Saw 4. In the meantime, you can follow us on Instagram or join the Facebook group at Series of Horrors Podcast. And also, you can email us comments, concerns, uh, suggestions, engage. You can either Facebook or email us, seriesofhorrors at gmail.com. And hope to hear from you guys as often as possible. Uh, leave us some reviews. Let us know what you think. Also, please, please let us know where the quote, where's my son, <laughs> comes from. It's coming from. Yes, yeah, it's killing me. <laughs> But anyways, thanks so much for joining us and we'll see you next week. See ya.